It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney and partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to malkbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. We are now in an era of political warfare where our enemies are not foreign adversaries, but fellow citizens. How can we stop our nation from being torn apart? Today I'll be speaking with Oz Guinness, a social critic and the author of numerous books, including his latest, Last Call for Liberty, How America's Genius for Freedom Has Become Its Greatest Threat. This reflective and thought-provoking book asks a series of questions that challenge readers to fully understand what they truly believe about freedom in the United States. Oz, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me on. A real pleasure. Uh, Oz, I want to just start this uh, segment by quoting a few of the people that you quote in the, in the beginning of your most recent book. And the first is uh, one of my favorites, Jonathan Sachs, who was the chief rabbi of uh, the British Commonwealth. He says, standard works on the history of politics, of freedom, trace back through Marx, Rousseau, and Hobbes to Plato's Republic, Aristotle's politics, and the Greek city-states, Athens in particular of the 5th century BCE. To be sure, words like democracy, ruled by the people, are Greek in origin. The Greeks were gifted at abstract nouns and systemic thought. However, if we look at the birth of the modern, at figures like Milton, Hobbes, and Locke in England, and the founding fathers of America, the book with which they, are, they were in dialogue was not Plato or Aristotle, but the Hebrew Bible. Hobbes quoted it 657 times in Leviathan alone, long before the Greek philosophers, and far more profoundly, at Mount Sinai, the concept of a free society was born. And you mentioned that we are, in the United States, currently facing the gravest crisis in our country since the Civil War. What do you mean by this? Well, America is in danger of changing its understanding of freedom and following the wrong revolution. If you think of St. Paul writing to the Galatians, he says, who's bewitched you? You're now following another gospel. And in many ways, I would say to Americans as a European, who's bewitched you? You're following a different revolution. Because if you look at many of the ideas today, political correctness, multiculturalism, the sexual revolution, identity politics, the rage for socialism, you go on and on and on. These are ideas which didn't come from the American Revolution, 1776, they actually come down from the French Revolution. And the French Revolution has very different ideas about freedom, and it comes out in a completely different position. So this important shift which is going on in this generation will be decisive for the future of the country. Yes, uh, and uh, which can you explain the differences between... Uh, the view of liberty and freedom from the uh, 
from the American Revolution versus that of uh, the French Revolution? Well, there are about 20 major differences, but let me just mention well, some. Yeah, just mention The American Revolution is decisively biblical. Through the Reformation, as you said, from the Torah and from the Jewish understanding you see in the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy, the source is quite different. It's the Bible, whereas the French Revolution comes from the French Enlightenment. Then very importantly, they have very different views of humanity. The biblical revolutions are very realistic. Separation of powers, checks and balances. Why? Ambition to counter-ambition, as Madison says, because humans are fallen. Sin is at play. Whereas the French Revolution, utopian. You know, remove the repressions and we'll all be happy, free, and fulfilled. And so on, as you see in Rousseau and as you see in the sexual revolution. But there are many, many other differences. One of them is how you deal with wrongs. You know, through confession, acknowledgement, forgiveness, etc., in a biblical way, or through things like resentment, revenge, reparations, and so on, in, in the French Revolution way. In other words, there are huge differences and we better make clear which revolution people are following today. I think that's absolutely right. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm of Malkin Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MalkBaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today we've been speaking with Oz Guinness, social critic and author of Last Call for Liberty, How America's Genius for Freedom Has Become Its Greatest Threat, and we've been discussing the ways in which the American Revolution and the French Revolution were very different. Why do people need to, to understand where freedom comes from and what they believe about their freedom? Well, America is a nation built on freedom. You know, St. Augustine says you don't understand a nation by the size of its population or the strength of its army or whatever. You understand it by what it loves supremely. And there's no question that what America loves supremely is freedom. This is the land of the free. But freedom is not simple. You've got to have the right understanding of freedom to know what it is to know how you sustain it. For instance, take a very simple difference between the biblical view and the modern view. Jesus says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Or as Isaiah Berlin, the great Jewish philosopher, put it, freedom is negative, freedom from. Freedom is also positive, freedom for. Negative freedom is easy. Get rid of anything that restrains you. But that's libertarian freedom. But only the beginning of freedom, to have full freedom... You have to have negative freedom and then positive freedom. Freedom for, which requires truth, which requires character, a certain type of person, and it requires a certain way of life. In other words, freedom requires a framework. Freedom is not the permission to do what you like. It's the power to do what you ought. And in those differences, that's actually Lord Acton, in those differences, you have completely different views of freedom and most American freedom today, either liberal or conservative libertarianism, is unrealistic and unsustainable. Well, I agree with you there. And uh, in addition to uh, 
the people you've quoted, it's also Paul in Romans talking about being either a slave to evil or a slave to a servant of God. And it's the idea is that you obey the, the person to whom you've given your, uh, your allegiance. And it's really kind exactly. of the same thing. You, could, you could quote people like Edmund Burke. You're not free unless you know how to put a chain upon your appetites and so on. Yeah. Uh, so how is the political process, which is meant, I suppose, to better our society, become so divisive? Well, what's happened is these different views of freedom grew up in the 1960s. In 1968, I think it was, Rudy Deutschka, and that, that was a year in which a hundred American cities were burning through riots, and you had the assassination of Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy. But for all that, the counterculture failed. And Rudy Deutschka and others said, what we really need is a long march through the institutions. In other words, you need to gain cultural dominance, colleges, universities, the press, the media, Hollywood entertainment, win those ideas, fears, and you win the culture, because politics is downstream from culture. And 50 years later, you can really see that they have won through the long march, and much of American politics now is driven by the progressive secular left, which is directly opposed to the biblical view, as the French Revolution was uh, to the biblical view. In other words, the English Revolution and the American Revolution were both biblical. Whereas the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, and the Chinese Revolution are directly anti-biblical. And you can see today which is beginning to win in many of the circles in American public life. And we can also see it in, I think, the attempts by uh, many of these groups from the, uh, the secular left to push religion out of the public square and to make speaking uh, and to really destroy the religious institutions uh, that, have, that are still here. Well, you've got three very specific attacks on religious freedom as opposed to religion. One is what I call the reducers, like President Obama and Secretary of State Clinton, who talked of religious freedom as freedom of worship. That is not what the First Amendment or Article 18 of the Universal Declaration talks about. Religious freedom is comprehensive. Secondly, you have the removers. People like Richard Dawkins are very clear that after 9-11, seeing what religion in public life was, they wanted to remove it completely from public life. But the third R is the worst one and the most recent, what I call the rebranders. Those who take what's the first liberty in American history and have turned it upside down and into a code word for bigotry and discrimination. And that is absolutely deadly. And you can see that currently in the push for the Equality Act in the Congress. Well, I can't, uh, I, I would add a, a fourth one. I can't think of an R right away. Uh, but those who seek to take the, the form of religion uh, still keep the, the clerical collars and the rituals, uh, but uh, have um, changed all of the theology behind it. Coming up, we will talk further with Oz Guinness, author of Last Call for Liberty, about what we can do to promote unity in our political discourse. I'm Whit Brisky, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. 
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney at Malkin Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we've been speaking with Oz Guinness, social critic and author of Last Call for Liberty, How America's Genius for Freedom Has Become Its Greatest Threat, about uh, what are the threats from our uh, current cultural situation. And Oz, is our Constitution still relevant? Can it help us get back on track? Well, the Constitution by itself can't, but you need leaders who will call American back. So you take, say, the president's slogan, Make America Great Again. The trouble is he never says what made it great in the first place. (laughs) Compare this, say, with the 1850s when America was deeply divided, but the genius of Abraham Lincoln was he addressed the evils, such as slavery, in the light of what he called the better angels of the American experiment, and always appealing to the Declaration. But you can see today that the Declaration even and the Constitution have just become a battleground, but people are not calling America back with an understanding. Now, if you look at the Constitution, it comes from the Hebrew covenant. And as you've seen in the scriptures themselves, every political system has strengths and weaknesses. The weaknesses of a covenantal or a constitutional system is that humans often don't keep their word. And so you need a renewal. You need to call people back. You need a restoration. And you see that in the Bible in terms of people like Hezekiah and so on. And we need a Lincoln today who will call America back with understanding to what the Declaration means. I mean, Colin, say, Kaepernick and the kneeing controversy, he is disrespecting the standard. And that's completely different from Martin Luther King, who addressed the evils of racism and slavery from the vantage point of the Declaration, which he called a promissory note. He promised freedom. He didn't cash it in. But King called for the cashing in. Whereas Kaepernick and many of the left today, they are disrespecting the very standard itself, the Declaration. And that is very deadly. But no one's answering it. There's no Lincoln. Yes, that's that's true. You know, it's almost like the Kaepernick is is rejecting all of America, all of our history, and and attempting really to start over as if there were nothing behind. And of course, that leaves us uh, bereft. And uh, really oh, just and, and you're exactly right. And the the trouble was there was a contradiction, a hypocrisy, an evil at the heart of the Constitution: slavery. But in addressing that, do you throw the baby out with the bathwater? That's what people like the squad, AOC and her friends, seem to be doing. And in the rejection of so-called white privilege, they're throwing out the entire system, which is absolute madness, because the French Revolution will lead to the end of freedom and to things like power and violence. Yes. And if we look back at our our Declaration of Independence, there we see that our rights come from God and are inalienable. And that's, it's important for us to remember that it's not just the covenant, but these inalienable rights that come from God that are the basis of our government. Well, you know, for the last few years, people have talked about a post-truth world. 
the economists picked that up, although Nietzsche's been talking about that for 200 years. But we must warn people, we're now moving into a post-rights world as well as post-truth. In other words, the basis for the rights has been undermined. And people are saying, well, they're just Western chauvinists, etc., etc. We're dangerously close to a post-rights world, and people will not like the results. They'll be disastrous. And if our rights come from a covenant or from uh, merely whatever the government decrees, well, we have no protection at all. No, that's right. Uh, are you hoping to inspire through your book and, and your appearance on this show and elsewhere uh, a national conversation about the nature of freedom? Well, I would love to think so, but in the present climate of incredible bitterness, conflict, and instability, you know, often a book like mine is just whistling in the wind. Um, but wherever I go, I go. I call people to start thinking about freedom, what freedom means, how we can sustain it, because we're at a very crucial time. But conversation is not easy today. That, that's true, although I tell you, I recommend this book, and even if it's, if it's read only by the choir, you know, those who are perhaps more open uh, to this side of the argument, uh, that will at least educate us in uh, protecting ourselves and our country from, from the dangers. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker, and we're talking to Oz Guinness, author of Last Call for Liberty. And I want to just uh, read a couple of quotes, or at least one quote, from your book that's from the beginning here, and to kind of use that to introduce a conversation. Let us, with, and this is from George Washington's farewell address from 1796, so it's uh, right at the beginning of our nation. Let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason, and experience, both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principles. And it, it seems to me that, that liberty requires a, some, a morality within us rather than uh, totally being imposed from outside. Do you agree? We're at an extraordinary moment in the crisis where all the foundations of Western civilization and American freedom are being challenged. Faith in God, human dignity, freedom, justice, putting wrongs right. You know, you could name a score of things, all of which have been undermined. And if we go on down this road, it is the end of the American experiment and the decline of Western civilization. And those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are the champions and the guardians of these great truths and ideals. So this is a crisis, but it's also an incredible opportunity to stand for things that make the world more human and more just and free at the same time. Incredible opportunity. Well, and, and do you agree that uh, the less restraint the citizen has from whether it's religion or morality within himself, the less virtue, I think was in a good 18th century word for this, that he has within himself, it makes it 
really necessary for the government to impose more rules and more regulations uh, in order to restrain uh, the population. And that constitutes the loss of, of our liberty. Absolutely. I, I call this the golden triangle of freedom. Freedom requires virtue. Virtue requires faith of some sort, and faith of any sort requires freedom, which requires virtue. And the, the, the triangle, like the recycling triangle, goes on ad infinitum. The framers were very clear on that, but moderns have thrown it out. So, for example, take character. Freedom requires virtue. That includes character in leaders. So when President Clinton was indicted, um, letters in the New York Times said, we don't need character in a president today, we just need competence. But that is absolute folly. Freedom requires virtue. And one could spell that out in all sorts of ways. And of course, virtue comes in part from, from the top uh, as an example, because uh, otherwise, what examples do we have? And uh, that can go in, in very negative ways. What's the responsibility of citizens in bringing back our, our unity, our virtue? How do we go about uh, doing this? Well, we've got to start with ourselves as individuals, as members of families, as people in local neighborhoods and communities and churches. We have got to live differently. And then the way we speak out. For instance, words matter, civility matters, where we can't indulge in language which is hate-filled and insulting and so on. So we've got to begin with ourselves, but at the highest level, we need to pray for leaders worthy of addressing the crisis. I call them Lincoln-like leaders who know where we are and who call us back to where we should be. Well, I, I'd like to close this uh uh, this show with uh, reading a quote from Deuteronomy. And Moses says here, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that you and your children uh, may live. And I think we are almost at that kind of point in our society now. Oz, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people get a hold of your book, learn more about uh, what we discussed today, and and really uh, uh, explore this more deeply. Either my website, osguinness.com, or get the book from amazon.com. Thank you. If you have a legal need or, or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com. Visit our website and subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. And also buy Oz's book. It's great. Thanks for listening. I'm Whit Brisky, attorney at Malkin Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.